Give me a sec. Make sure it's right. Here we go. Good morning, Flow Racing. This is Courtney Enders on Right Off Track, your only drag racing podcast to the Flowverse. And we are here to talk to one of my favorite people on the planet of Earth, but we are not going to get into that yet. One of my goals when I started this podcast was to not only bring you educational things about drag racing so that you yourself can become a drag racing fan, but I want you to meet the people that make it great. And today, that's why this episode is so special, because he is one of the most amazing people on the planet of Earth. I've said it a million times, coolest guy in drag racing. We're going to get to Antron Brown here in just a second. But before we do, as always, we got to pay some bills. And as always, this episode and every episode of Right Off Track is brought to you by Castrol Edge. It's three times stronger against viscosity breakdown than the leading full synthetic and gives your engine 10 times better high temperature performance than the industry standard when you need it most. Castrol Edge, better oil for maximum performance. So... I waste no time on this show. We don't dilly-dally. I'm bringing him on. Antron Brown, welcome to Flow Racing's Ride Off Track. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Oh, anytime, Court. It's always good to be on, and uh, I watch the shows all the time, and I'm just happy to be on for the first time. Listen, I'm going to let people in on something. Usually, this airs on Friday. We do it on Friday. We do it live. We're doing something special this week. We're doing a pre-record because, my man, you are not going to get away with not being on my show this week. And I am not a morning person. And we woke up early for Antron Brown. So the best part of waking up is Antron Brown this morning. That's right. Little brown shirt goes a long way in that coffee. <laughs> you already know I got that in there. Don't even play with me, boy. So we're going to treat this. I know in our world, that face is unrecognizable. Everybody knows who you are. There is no question. You're always smiling. You're great with the fans. But I like to treat this as if somebody's watching this for the first time, they stumble upon this on flowracing.com when they're looking for Kyle Larson stuff. And they think, who is this guy? Why is he important? So I want to give a little kind of broad intro of, of what you do in the drag racing community. And I'll Cliff's note it for it. One of the most diverse, diverse drivers in this entire industry, I think. You will step into anything. You'll stand in the grandstands and wave at me like a crazy person until I come flag you down. But... Your start was in Pro Stock Motorcycle, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but just give a little bit of insight of how this fire got ignited in your soul and and why you went on two wheels. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I grew up riding motorcycles. A lot of people know that uh, I raced motocross since I was about six years old and got really serious in it when I was 12 and raced up and down on that amateur circuit you know, in a tri-state area of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, so I'm a Jersey kid. And then we used to go up and down the East Coast racing other races down in Virginia, Maryland, and stuff like that. And uh, I had a blast growing up, and they didn't have junior tractors when I was a kid. That was the, When I got, like, 17, 18 years old, they came out at Englishtown right when I was graduating high school, like the first junior dragsters for the nap kids. Like, half-scale dragsters, Randy, it wasn't even called half scale then. He had his own, like, you know, big race car business, like drag specialties or something like that, making, like, you know, rather big dragsters. And uh, I'll never forget that my dad and uncle, they were sportsman racers before I was born. Like, I'm going way back. A lot of people don't realize that, that 
I remember super comp when it was like stretched out roadsters. It wasn't even a dragster in the class. There was no, no even like dragsters were alcohol dragsters. They didn't race in bracket racing at all. Period. It was door cars. And if you wanted a, a, a consistent race car, you got a roadster, a stretched out brogy built roadster from California. And uh, I grew up around that, but I couldn't afford to drag race a car. I didn't have the money. So I started off with a street bike. And uh, i never forget to this day, it was an old uh, GSR 1100, like a 90. And uh, we rebuilt it. Bob Carpenter, who was a pro side bike racer at the time, did the entrance for Troy. And I rode the bike, and I used to call her, we used to call her Storm. She was polished up, white, white and blue with the GXR, like red emblems on it. And we used to call her Storm, and we used to go out there and uh, create some havoc and some thunderstorms on some people out there on the racetrack. I love it. And you, I mean, you obviously were a natural on two wheels and, and took that so far. I think it's incredible. You've had collectively 71 wins, three world championships. But as I was writing this down for this, this podcast this morning, as somebody who's been in this and been fighting my whole life to make this my life and my job outside of the seat, 71 wins Would that, would that guy riding storm think like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to be approaching a hundred wins here in the NHRA. No, no, I never even fathomed that we could actually do that. Like, let alone, like, what people don't realize is that I was that kid standing outside the room at all the races. And, like, you know how it was. You did the same thing, and you're just like, man, if I could just, like, get a shot, get to try it. Like, what people don't realize, when you eat it, sleep it, you dream it, you actually become it, even though you're not there yet. And that's what I did. I mean, I never forget the big porter trees came out, the real big ones with the incandescent, but like the halogen bulbs in it. Like they were hot. Go, yes, you go practice on a tree. A tree came on all the time. You get in the tan. <sighs> like you know what I mean. So, and uh, I never forget that my dad and uncle used to have all their friends over, and they did the bench racing. Man, you wait till I bring my car out this next weekend. And half of them never even brought, brought the car out. The car stayed on a jack stand all the time. You know what I mean? And um, they used to come over, and we used to bet a dollar. And we used to make the brackets. You had to qualify. If it was 16 or eight people there, you qualify on a bracket by your reaction time. And then you go down, and whoever wins, wins the pot. And I was a young kid, and I used to take pride in taking all their money so I can have that extra lunch money for school. Because Brother Man was going to get that ice cream. <laughs> Listen, we'll talk about this later too, but you better get that ice cream this weekend in Norwalk. We'll hit on that here in a minute. Um, so we're going to fast forward a little. You get into Pro Stock Motorcycle, have huge success there. Um, if you flow racing people want to touch on that, we could do an entire show on your career on two wheels. But we're going to kind of fast forward to today. And your transition into top fuel, was that ever even on your radar as you were flying around on two wheels on that army bike? Or is this something that kind of just naturally happened? Well, the way it happened, a lot of people don't know this story. But um, for the last seven years, I raced bikes for 10 years. And I have always, like, watched every class. Like, people don't realize, like, I love drag racing. I will drag race anything. Like, I love, I grew up, Pro Stock Car was our family favorite growing up. Like, we watched all the old school deals. My dad 
like like we had a little small build grumpy jenkins small block in our chevy vega so so like it was like a miniature pro style car back in that mid 70s that thing went like 980s back in the late 70s at 140 miles an hour that was like fast no nitrous no nothing just straight motor and then uh so then fast forward where we're at now is that you talk about top fuel i was trying like looking at it and i was like you know what man i always why i'm happy where i'm at pro side but i always said why can't i race a fuel car why can't I race a fuel car? Why can't I do these different things? Why can't I do that? So what I ended up doing was I was like, start putting my name out there and going, I would like to drive a fuel car. I would love to like try it if, if I can't do it. So I used to talk to people, work with them. And then like, it's like, oh, we'll let you drive. Never happened. You know what I mean? Talk to this one. Oh, never happened. I talked yeah. Funny story, I talked to Don Schumacher about it. And I never forget, Don looked at me and goes, Antron, I got people that will give me money to get in the car. Like, who are you going to bring to the table? Like, like you have a sponsor. I'm just not going to put you in the car. I said, Don, I can, like, I could do the work. I could sell it. I can talk. I could help promote whatever company comes to the table and be a great spokesperson. He looked at me. And then I never forget, Lee Beer was at Don Schumacher Racing. He used to watch me come in way before all the top fuel guys were there, the funny car guys were there. And I was there with my crew at the time, Mark Pizer and and Steve Stagula. And we were in there building race bikes, dynoing engines, putting them together, tearing them apart, washing them, doing all this stuff and wiring stuff. And he goes, man, he goes, you know how to do all that? I go, yeah, I like this is what I do. Like, And he goes, You'll be cranky. He goes, you need to drive a top fuel car. So Lee kind of politicked for me and never happened at Schumacher. And then he went to David Powers. And then he called me one day and goes, hey, you want to try to drive a top fuel car? And that was like five years later. And I was like, I'm in. That's That's freaking... That's freaking awesome. But that just goes to show you, you know, I mean, you you put in the work, you put it into existence. And my, my story was a little bit similar. I was obsessed with pro stock motorcycle when i was a kid as you know i got your autograph a thousand times angel was my just jam um never been on two wheels in my life been a dragster and a door car girl my whole life and people kept knocking on my door like what if you just kind of tried and came and and ran this bike and i'm like i have no business doing that long story short did a couple of of sessions with um jerry savoie did some burnouts did a couple of launches let me tell you ain't for me Ain't for me. You guys are crazy. <laughs> One of the only things I've never completed in my life was that. But I have just the honest gut of, you know, if you weren't born and comfortable on those two wheels, there's a mad respect for them where you got to do it. But same thing goes for the top fuel car. And I think it's incredible because we find where we are in this sport because of opportunities like that. And the same thing goes for what you're doing now. You know, you're you're racing for these teams, as Ron Caps called it the other day on this podcast, is bring my helmet and race, show up and race, but you're doing something completely different now. And I have the same question for you. Was this always on your radar of owning your own team and making your own program and being the guy in charge, or did this happen authentically as well? This is uh, one of those deals where, you know, in life, I'm always pushing myself to do better, to be better. And it was just one of those deals that just, 
evolved to where it's at today where I go, all right, well, like, you know, you always think about where you want to be and you have these dreams. Like, you get to one dream and you're like, I made it happen. Like, I'm an NHRA. I'm a professional pro stop motorcycle rider. I go, why stop there? What's next? Top fuel, funny car. That'll be huge. That'll be big. But then I go, can I do it? And then I got in it. I said, yeah, I could do it. It's just time. Just like, you, I, I'm sure if you skated more time, you'll be able to make the bikes happen. And then once I evolved and I got past there, I go, what's next? I go, well, I want to control my own destiny. I've been on numerous different race teams. And for me, I got shuffled around four times. Like I raced for David Powers, sold a team at the end of that year because the market went down the homie market and he couldn't afford to help do it and keep going. Then I raced for Mike Ash. Then he sold the team. No, David Powers. Sold a team to Tim Buckley. Tim Buckley had a team for like three months. Sold to Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley had a team for one year and one of the best people I ever raced for, like the most positive, yes. motivated guy I've ever been around in my entire life. Like he wills things into existence. Then after that, that was with Don Schumacher. And I was with Don Schumacher for a good 10 year of my whole top field career. Pretty much, I would say probably like, literally with Don for like 10 years and won three championships, did a lot of great things. We elevated. And I was like, you know what though? It's time for me to navigate on my own and build a legacy for my family. And that my kids want to race. And I'm like, all right, well, it's time to do something different. I've done this. And the coolest part is if I mess up, it's great because the buck stops here. Shame on me. And I can build and create a team that I can make these people be the best versions of themselves and be with them every day and also open up opportunities and doors for other people coming from the grassroots. Like I'm bringing interns that work on my team. I am trying to cultivate grassroots racing, like, like on the bracket racing side, to the A-Fuel, to the A-Fuel funny car side. In pro mod side, I'm trying to create that so that I can take those talented drivers from there and then shuffle them into the fuel ranks, but cultivate them, like help them grow, understand how to work as good off track as they do on track. And, and that's where my heart's at right now is to build this sport and bring forth the new future stars. It's so clear in it when when people watch you just not even in the car, but outside the car and how you interact with these people. But now that you've gotten to where you're at, you are a driver. But at the end of the day, the buck does stop there and it is your team. How's your Sunday mindset? Are you Antron the driver? Are you battling that fact of you've got a million things running around in your head and this is your circus with your monkeys? Or are you kind of able to compartmentalize it? What's what's Antron Sunday like? Well, Sunday, last year, I was a disaster. I was a mess. You know, I, I didn't get the, the the hang of it until halfway through the season. And I was still doing good, but I wasn't AP of old where I come in sharp and polished on race day. And it took a little bit of getting used to, I would call it getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And, um, and what it was, it was just like getting my mindset where I got in the car and I had to turn 
the ownership side off and turn the driver mode on, the race mode on. And, and what I've learned to do is I come in on Thursday, ownership's turned off. I'm driver. Like, Ryan Karate runs the show with, with Mark and Brad, and I listen to what they t- tell me, and I'm turning that off. Like, they control everything during the race weekend, and I'm just focused on driving the car, and Ted Yerzik, my, my guy, my sponsor relations guy, he's pointing the direction I got to go. Maybe go here, go there, go there. I'm like, phew, 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 phew. And when I get in the car, I'll flick the gladiator switch on, click, when my mind goes blank, and I'm racing. And, uh, and it took me a while for it took me a long time to shut that business mode off because your mind's always thinking about, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to get this, I got to get this. We need to have this happening. I mean, look at this guy. He's not doing it right. He needs to do it like this. Like, and like, I got to go, all right, shut down, jot it down, and we'll address it when we get back in the shop after the race weekend's over. I think people don't realize how mental, and I mean this in a positive way, not a crazy way, how mental drag racing is and you know there's this there's this stigma of athletes in the world and you know our race car drivers athletes and there's we're nominated for espies congrats to Brittany for that I saw that last night which is cool but there's this almost stigma to where I think we're the only ones that really realize the mental and physical athletes that drag racers are no matter what car you're racing there is a connect or a disconnect with your brain and your body of what you've got to do to be physically and mentally able to do this. And you're one of the ones that um, I think has their head wrapped around this through the years. We follow you on social media and you work with trainers in Brownsburg and do reaction time type things, but give us a little insight to what goes on to building the champion, if you will, if I'm going to be cheesy here and say that, but the mental side and the physical side of being that athlete that you've got to be to be able to turn on and off that switch and be physically bodied able to do what you do. Well, the one thing is, is that to be mentally strong, you have to be physically strong and fit. Okay. You have to have confidence, right? Amen. It's just, it's like anything. It's just like, we all grew up and went to school. We all know when you don't study for a test, you go in there, you're shaking and you're nervous because you know you're hoping that you just pass the darn thing because you're not prepared for it, right? Well, that's the way racing is, any sport is, is that you got to prepare to be successful. And for me, I know I was an athlete all through, since I was a kid, all through high school and all through college. And I know what it's like to train. And when you train and you put the work in, you start getting like not the swagger or cockiness, but you just get this inner confidence where you're just at ease because you're ready for battle. You're ready to grind. You're ready to go through the grunt. If the trenches get deep, you keep shoveling. Lock it out, shovel in. I got you. You know what I mean? And, and when you have that, you go into that mindset because you got to remember drag racing is like chess. You got to know your opponent, know how to race them, know what to do. But it's not the racing that takes all the juice out of you. What people don't realize about drag racing, we entertain and interact with all of our partners. Like this week, I've been here in Ohio. I got in Monday night, and I've been doing sponsor activations. Two of them on Tuesday, two of them on Wednesday, not getting done until 9 o'clock at night on both nights. Now I'm at the track 
doing more sponsor obligations, helping get set up. And then at night, I got another deal. But then I got to come back on Friday with pro board meetings, sponsor interaction out to track with hospitality. And then we got to go qualify at nighttime. So I'm going to be at the track tomorrow at 9 a.m. I'm not going to leave here until 11, 11 p.m. tomorrow. So when you look at all that, when you get in a car, if you're not physically fit, you're going to get in a car and your mood set's going to be like, oh, I'm burnt down. Yeah. So I'm not like, oh, I'm up. I'm this way. I'm that way. Well, now I'm physically fit when I get in that car. I'm just like this. I'm still strong. I'm still ready. And I can still be in attack mode because the stuff I did hasn't worn me down because I know what it's like to be broke down when you're up there doing all that. You're doing all that, like, you know, the interval, the high intensity training, get your heart rate up, get it down, count down, get back up, get down. And I go in, I'm like, this ain't nothing to win a trip. I'm ready. And that's the whole concept is being ready. Uh, that is incredible. I cannot wait to clip that and make it its own clip here on Flow Racing. But I think that a lot of people could really take use from that because I've worked with a ton of different drivers in a ton of different areas. I've handled, I've been there, Ted Yerzik, if you will. And um, I think that I've I've seen a lot of people bogged down and there is something to be said for you. You're stretched really thin and here you are doing right off track with us in the morning before you go do more sponsor stuff because you you love the community, but you get stretched thin in a sense of where you kind of lose sight of which part of this is important. And I've seen some drivers that I work with that turn down some sponsor stuff because they don't have that mental bandwidth or that mental capacity to go be able to do that and then perform. But I think you're, you're, you're professing the school on how to do it all because I don't think I've ever seen you with a frown on your face. I don't think I've ever seen you turn somebody down at your ropes. You've never not just lit up the room. And that's why I wanted to ask you that question because it's tough. I've seen these. I've lived it. I'm not even in the seat and I've been burnt out, bogged down. I'm about to go on my eighth weekend in a row and I'm tired. I'm very tired. This shit is hard. (laughs) This shit is really hard, but that's, that's incredible. And I think that people in all brands of sports can learn from that. And I think that's why you're able to do what you do. And I'm going to transition this because I'm getting better at transitions here into what you do do for the RVW world. And there's extra because the NHRA schedule is grueling. What you do is absolutely grueling. There's no other word for it. It's rewarding, but it's grueling. But somehow you make time to go play in front and do things that are in other brands of motorsports because you enjoy it and because you do. And so I want to get into that with Manny. We'll just quickly touch on how how that came about. I was talking to somebody in the industry who used to be in drag racing last night. And he said, how the hell did Antron get hooked up with Manny Bajinga? <laughs> hey, well, the funniest part is my, actually one of my really close, dearest friends, Carlo Calonado, who used to race at NMCA back in the day. And he still races now. He races like the grudge races and different stuff like that. Him and Manny are really, really good friends. And, and Carlo and Manny talk all the time. And then Carlos talks to me about Manny. And then Carlos talked to Manny about me. Because me and Manny got the same mindset, kind of temperament. Like, like Manny's all in, right? So it was funny. He's always trying to grow the sports that he's in. Like the radio world and also the, the pro mod world he's getting into. 
And he goes, Carlo, it'll be cool. You think Ant Tribe would ever want to come out and drive one of my cars when we go up there? And Carlo goes, heck yeah, he would. Manny goes, you think he could do it? And Carlo goes, Manny, AB races anything. He could drive anything. He goes, that he goes, that joker can race whatever you put him into. He can race a dump truck. He can drive a semi truck. Skits there, track. It don't make a difference. What you want him to do, he could do it. And uh, and it was so funny. So I got to meet Manny at the PR show. Really, really good dude. Like a few years back. And uh, and just a good guy. And I checked his car out. And that's when he first, like Fred, was coming in. That's after he already had Ted. And then he started with Fred. I'm like, man, I said, this car is unbelievable. I say, you running like a pro style engine on the little tires? Like, you, you out your mind. You out your mind. And then, lo and behold, this is the funniest story, Courtney, that people don't know. I love it. This is why I love this show. <laughs> My wife is terrified of pro cars because she sees them on their lid. <laughs> so here I go down to Florida. And I'm like, Billy. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to drive a Pro 275 car. Their radials, they're not as bad as a Pro Mod car or nothing like that. And I know I'm trying to smooth this over so I can go. Lies. Right, right, right. Well, they run the same engines or bigger engines with more power with smaller tires, right? So, so this is the funny part. I get down there. My wife is watching Flow Racing TV. She's watching Flow the live show, and the announcer goes, these cars are insane. They are pro-mod on steroids with small tires. These drivers are completely nuts. You know what I got? Ding, 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 ding. Hey, what's up, Billy? What's up, baby? She goes, I thought you were driving a pro-mod car. You're driving something even more stupid. What you doing? Look at you sleeping on the couch. Jeez, oh, okay. yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah. It story. is True you story. and I talked after you made that run um when we were in Bradenton and I just genuinely asked you like how did it feel because you are one of the few people that has such a large spectrum of how these different cars bikes top fuel everything and you looked at me with them big eyes and you said sister that is crazy I was here I was here I was doing this and you said <laughs> It may not be 330 miles an hour, but that Joker was crazy. And it was so cool to just watch you absorb it and fall in love with that side of the drag racing world because my interactions with Flo has kind of caused me to do the same thing. We have tunnel vision sometimes, and I've been Erica's career and the Jags thing, and, and I've just been on the trajectory that I've been on and getting into this Flo deal has opened my eyes to it, and I freaking fell in love with it. I fell in love with the fans, the racers, the cars. It's insane. It's, it, it's just another avenue and when you go there you see the love that's in that sport it's like, it, like it's going it's reminding me when i was a kid and i used to go to the races with my dad and uncle you got the people that have the pure joy of drag racing in them and not taking nothing away from our nhra pro side but i'm just talking about these like all these people they're not fans every single one of them has race cars yep. and they got a love and they'll spend their last dollar. They'll be on their car working, busting their knuckles, doing everything to the nitty gritty to make it happen to race that whole weekend. And you have that mutual respect. You get what I mean? These are like the iron people, like the triathlons of drag racing. 
I agreed, man. Those races are long. Let me tell you, they are. It is a triathlon. It is crazy. Seventeen hours of pure racing, and they could go all night long. They don't care. They don't. They don't. They don't care, and they're there for the love. And the coolest part is that it was cool for me because people always think, "Oh, you're a top fuel racer. You ain't got time to do this. You ain't got time. You're not like those people are not real." But we are real. We love racing. I love every aspect of racing. And for me, it was really cool when people walked up and goes, man, you just a chill guy. You just like, you just like one of us. I said, I am brother. And I am. I'm like, I, I do this. I just do different things on different stages. I'll be at all the stages. If I can split myself into four different people, trust me. Hey, Amen. And, I, and it, it is cool. Cause you were just watching in the grandstands. I was getting B-roll. I love this story. I tell people this all the time. I was getting B-roll up in the stands and I see some crazy person waving at me. And I'm like, Gosh, this guy, who is he? Zoom in. It's Antron Brown sitting in the grandstand <laughs> watching. <laughs> oh That's crazy. Courtney Cord- goes, who's this nut? What's he yeah, I'm at? like, don't give me. I ain't got time for this shit today. <laughs> but like, on, the, on the family aspect of this, this is, I have a short list of people that I've wanted on this show. And I kind of wait until newsworthy race wins, things of that sort, so that we can keep up with what's going on in the racing community with the personalities. And when I saw Anson win the other night, I said, Antron, top of the list. Here we go. And I'm so thankful that you got me on here. But your family, your family, you talked about Billy texting you, calling you a crazy person, all this. They have supported you through this through and through. They have felt your passion come through. And I think that we're starting to see that now with your kids. But before we get into Anson's wins, I want to talk about you've got three kids. Do all three of them have the bug for this, or is this just an Anson thing? No, we got, we 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 got all three of them raced growing up, and Adler's still racing junior drag. She's my youngest, but Ariana, even though her first love was dance, she loves to drag race. People don't realize it, and when she got in, she was a monster, and she never won a race, but she's been in these big junior races where she made it to the final and went eight rounds and lost in the final. And she went to races where she made it to the finals numerous times and she wanted to win so bad, she red-lighted by 001, 002. And it, I'm like, baby, just do your thing. And Anson, he's, he's the one that started to love out. He's the most passionate. This is all that boy eats, sleeps, and drinks about. And I never knew, like, the things he could do. You get what I mean? Like, like yep. you take it for granted, like, how good can somebody be or whatever it is? And you know, never know that the boy is always watched and learning. Not from me. He sees what I do. And he challenges me to go to reaction time to you all the time. And it's getting really good. It's getting like he's almost beat me. I ain't letting him beat me yet. And uh, and uh, he just does so much other stuff watching like all the other races, like your Luke Bogacki, your Peter Biondo, your Justin Lambs, your Richard, like you know, your like your Richardson brothers. All of them, man. I mean, Blangin. Like, he watched, um, like, his biggest deal, he goes, hey, dad, dad, I got to race Conley. I got to race Conley. Like, like Jags, you know, Jags' wife, Samantha, killing it. He grew up with McKenna Brown. McKenna Brown's older than Anson, but they all raced together growing up. And it's just so crazy to see how he learned so much. And he never thought foot breaking a junior dragster. And you get into a big car with a transfer button where he took to it like a duck to water. 
And oh, that yes. that's just, it's in the blood. Like drag racing, I said this almost on every one of these shows because I think people outside of it don't get it, but there's something crazy about us. It's in the blood. I've tried to shake it. I tried to have a normal life. You just can't. When it's in your blood, it's in your blood. But take us, take us back to last weekend at the TB race. He's got, I mean, you obviously believe in your kid. That picture of you jumping on the starting line. I'm the starting line jumper. You put me to shame, damn it. You jumped <laughs> higher than me. <laughs> I got tagged in that so many times. Like, you're no longer the, the jumping queen. Antron got you covered. So you took my role. I got to do it when Erica wins this weekend. But that was so cool to watch your pride just beam from you. But the coolest part to me is second generational stuff. Like, We've heard drag racing is dying. We got to get more young kids, yada, yada, yada. I don't buy it. It is alive and well. You got Autumn Height. You got McKenna Brown, like you said, Jaggy's wife, his daughter coming in hot, Conley. He's got kids now. You know they're going to be in dragsters before they can walk. Your boy took out one of the baddest bracket racers on the planet in the final round underneath the lights for the whole world to see. And I know that Sean has helped you guys. I know you and Sean are very, very good friends. Um, and so there was probably a little bit more emotion in this, but, but just give us a little insight of, of that final round and what you guys were thinking, what Anson was saying before he was going up and then the celebration of being the champ. Yeah. I, I tell you what, when, uh, when we got there, a lot of people realized was that on Friday we had a crap day. Okay. Like Anson and Sean had a crap day. Like, Sean had problems with his tires not hooking up and make some adjustments, put some different tires. And we had a problem that we didn't even know. His car was all over the place on reaction time because his trans brake solenoid started sticking. Oh, and we had to get a new trans brake. The housing came loose, and it was acting all up, doing all kind of funky things. And we couldn't figure out until I looked at the computer. And I'm looking at him like, this is all jacked up. It ain't like, like he's letting go of the button, and the car's not leaving. And you see this, and you see that. And I'm like, all right, so... We get that all fixed, and we went down to the Williams boys down there, and they gave me a new FTI solenoid. He goes, you got that piece of junk? We got rid of them things a long time ago. Them things are like jumping up, and using them where it fall apart. I said, well, brother, I got it last year, but we couldn't like, – like, we didn't get out last year. We set out this year. So we got that all fixed, and then on Saturday, Anson literally went 10 rounds, and every round it was the fifth competition it was the best drag racers like even at a race against will um who races for the bear family that guy's professional drag race insane close drag race uh mckenna brown in the earlier rounds and and like all these people and then he lined up against dave Conley in the door car and you know it was it was a respect to us all dave he actually ran his car dead on honest because he was racing Anson. anson and when you see people do that you're like Oh, oh, that's that's, that's something. That's respect because Dave usually holds six or seven or eight. It's the button, nitrous button. That's all kind of things. And there's an okie doke on people, man. I'm like, I saw, I never knew bracket racing has so many different games to it. And these guys and gals are like, it's unbelievable what they do. They are by They're animals. Impre- I mean, they impress the crap out of me. I was like, oh, my God, look what they're doing. And it's just they tried it true. We hold a couple numbers here and there. Then we got down to the later rounds. Anson goes, Dad, we can't play no more, Dad. We got to dial this dead on and hope for the best. And that's what we did. That's 
so crazy. And you're right. Again, the, with the flow racing community, the bracket racing, we are just getting into that. And I cannot wait to teach them about it. But it is the most complicated, difficult thing to do. You got to win 8, 10, 12, 15 rounds in a weekend to do anything. And that is just, it is so incredible. I'm so proud of you guys. And I just, I think it's so cool when the second generation bus, I love Sean Langdon, but man, that was cool to see him bust him. <laughs> oh man. It was, it was incredible. And then Sean, he was double O because him and Anson were going back and forth on the trees to do different things. And Sean was, uh, the round before him and Anson had the same exact light. Like Anson was double O six. Sean was double O six. We ran dead on, I forget what it was, like a three or a four. And Sean ran dead on with a five. So it was like, it was going to be the monster final round. And I'm like, Anson goes, Dad, what should we do? I said, son, just let it ride. Don't put no more in the box. Just leave it alone. I said, final round, just do what you do. And, and Anson was 004 and ran dead on with a two in the final. And that joker left skinny gap. That is nasty. Yeah, like, I, I looked at him, I go, boy, you wanted to win. And 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 he did. And Sean, Sean for some reason, was 020. And he goes, he goes, Dad, I just missed a tree. And I'm like, shoot, man. I go, like, like you know, like, like that's what Sean said. And uh, I was jumping up and down. And we were talking before we left. And I was teasing him. And it was so funny. It was so funny. Sean came back and go, just. Did I say that? We, I said, did we agree that we split? I forgot that conversation. <laughs> no, I think we did agree that we we're splitting. Then we goes, yes, we did. Yes, we did. I said, you sure? You sure? I said, I think I'm getting old, Sean. You know, I'm almost 50 now. I, I can't hear good. <laughs> I love it. That was, I think it's so poetic for the community, for your kid to be doing well in that. Um, last thing I want to touch on before we let you go here. What is, what does the future look like for, Anson is, or even any of your kids. I mean, now that you're a team owner, I don't want to speak out of line here, but you know, like you said, you think it, you dream it, you build it. Is this something that you guys want to do together as a family? Does he want to take it to the levels? What's his, what are his thoughts? Yeah. Anson's dream is like, I don't know. I'm a little scared to put my, my, my kids in a fuel car. Oh, you duh. Right. But the thing about it is I know Anson's biggest dream one day is before I retire. He wants to race against me in a fuel car, which I still got plenty more years left, and that might happen. And I'm like, all right, son, but I said, first, you're going to school. I said, you keep on bracket racing. I said, because right now, you just want to race. We got your college paid for. No kidding. He can pay for his own way with bracket racing. He did. He just did. We just paid for his first two years of college and his dorm rooms and everything. Like his rooms and everything. Was, and we I said, you got your own college scholarship. Now the trick is we got to go out racing some more and win some more money down the road in the next two years to pay for your last two years. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's so incredible. And now we've got Norwalk this weekend. We'll just switch gears. You are going into race mode. It's again, we, this will be airing on Friday. So uh, very shortly after this airs, we'll be able to see you blazing down a thousand foot at 330 some odd miles an hour. Norwalk, an incredible track. You've got the Summit sponsor. You just went and did all that today or yesterday. How are you feeling about this weekend? You feeling good? You want to get some ice cream? Oh, I'm, I want to get some ice cream. I want to get that scooper. Scooper uh-huh. when you win. And uh, and we, we got one of those already. And I heard they up. got a new one. Erica told me that there's some new design. Oh, I got to check that out. Brother Man wants one. We're going to work hard to try to get it. 
But the thing about it is we came off of tough final round against Justin Ashley where we almost won Bristol. And uh, that that was painful because I, I think that's that's the only race on tour that I have not won at yet. Really? Race. That's the only race. And those will get you, those elusive ones. I think Erica's got two. We've got Gainesville and um, uh, one other. I can't remember. Oh, Denver. So we can do that. But those will get you, and those mean more than anything. And it was so cool because I get – I say this all the time. I have the best view in the world. I have the best view in drag racing. I would rather my spot than in the car because the things I see and the interactions that I see and up at the top end after the finals in Bristol last weekend, I'd die on this cliff. I don't know how you come out in a good mood. You had just lost that elusive racetrack. First thing you did, high-fiving your people and came over and congratulated my sister and gave her a big hug. Like, man, you are you are just a true gem in this sport and it would be it would just be so much more boring and less light without you. And I appreciate the friendship that you've given us and the support you've given my sister and, and doing this kind of stuff for little old me. And I just, it's, it's incredible. And I freaking love you. Oh, I love you too. For your family. It's like, you ain't got to think that. Like we, we grew up in this sport together. I remember when we first came in the sport and look, you may enjoy jumping up behind your sister, but I am telling you, your day is coming. Listen, people. Listen, America. Okay, Courtney is not going to tell you this, but she is a beast too. If you ever saw her when she raced, her eyes, the eye of the tiger, I should say the eye of the tiger, the eye of the cat in that girl. She is no joke. And uh, I want to see you in the race car. You need to go bracket racing. You need to go out there and start racing and doing what you do because you are one of those stars right now that's in the shadow that needs to come to the light behind the gas pedal, the steering wheel, sister. You, you know can't it. make me blush before I noon. I know it. I know it. I know it. I see it every time. I'm like, man, if I have a car, put that rolling right there. Put it right now. That's what Bo Butner tells me all the time. He's like, get to Indy. Let me get you licensed. And I would, but I do have to say, I love, I'm loving what I'm doing. And I've struggled to find my place in the sport to, I knew I belonged in it, but didn't really know. And this, this stuff with Flo and the top end interviews and these podcasts, I'm absolutely loving it. And I think sky's the limit for it. But listen, if I can drive on the side, your girl will drive. That's what I'm talking about. Bruno Master can do it. Courtney Anders can do it. I love you. That means more to me than you know, Antron. I appreciate those kind words. Uh, All right, well, go go get him in Norwalk. Get your butt back to work. Go be team owner. Go be driver, Antron. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for supporting Flow Racing. I know you always do. And and just keep kicking ass, man. We love you. Anytime, sis. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. And you know what? This weekend, y'all better stay tuned because I'm going to let the flow flow, baby. We're signing out on that one. We'll see you soon. Thanks, A.B. Thank you.